Hello and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, and along with my good friends Reese and Kyle, we will be reacting to one of the strangest games I've seen in quite some time. The Chiefs win against the New England Patriots. Chiefs win 26-10 against a pretty depleted New England Patriots going 4-0 on the season. The Chiefs are now the first team in NFL history to start 4-0 for four consecutive seasons. Stonks. And that also just tells you, like, Mahomes, Goat, right? Tom's never done it. Peyton's never done it. I don't want to put Ben in there, but like Ben's never done that either. That was the weirdest thing. How did like the Patriots in that 20 years of trash AFC East not once start 4 and 0 four consecutive years? <laughs> because uh Ryan Fitzmagic. <laughs> oh yeah, and like, I forgot uh like Mark Sanchez. My, <laughs> Miami always had their 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 uh, number. Like Miami always won one game like every 2 years against the Patriots and everyone's like, "What the hell?" That's embarrassing. It's kind of like a broken clock yeah. is right twice a day. It's just Ryan Fitzpatrick shows up every That's true. 15th card in the tarot <laughs> deck and it's, you know. <laughs> but actually, like, if, if, if we want to get, like, super into it, like, this is actually why this Patriots game was kind of difficult for us. Like, when, when you play a team so often, you have a competitive advantage over, like, the Chiefs playing the Saints once every five years. Because they've even though they've seen... Patrick Mahomes on tape, seeing him on the field is so different. So when like Chargers get to play the Chiefs every year, twice a year, like of course they're going to have an advantage over even a great team like the Saints. And I think that's kind of what we saw today. Let's get into it. So 26 to 10 win. If you weren't watching the game, that sounds like a pretty good win, maybe a low scoring game for the Chiefs. But honestly, it was kind of a disaster before that fourth quarter. Um, and why don't we get into the fourth quarter and then we're going to talk about all the other things, but let's talk about some happy stuff first. So the Chiefs were down, or sorry, Chiefs were up 13 to 10, kind of in the middle of the fourth quarter, and it, it didn't look very good. Reese, what was your reaction to the fourth quarter when it was kind of a game still? Hoyer versus Mahomes. I don't think I need to tell you guys. At one point I texted, I have a very bad feeling about this game. And I believe that was back when it was still 6-3 to three late in the third quarter. And I'm like, yo, are we going to put another field goal up here and have you know the one touchdown drive of the day for the Patriots come late in the game to stab our hearts out, just Kalima the crap out of us? But, you know, it wasn't meant to be. We got that touchdown towards the end of the third quarter, which unfortunately we then allowed them to get down the field in like four plays and put a uh, rebuttal touchdown on the field. But, you know, it's all moot point. We're 4-0. I'm cool. I'm cool. I got to say, this game did not go the way any of us expected, where, it, it, you know, if you were to say that we won by 16 and didn't score a touchdown until late third quarter, that doesn't feel like a 26 to 10 win. Oh, yeah. That's a really good point. Uh, you know, what was funny was it was six to three the whole time. And at one point, I'm like, if we can just put one touchdown on the board and make this 13 to three, I'm like, I am not scared whatsoever of, you know, a Brian Hoyer offense coming in and getting a touchdown and, you know, getting 10 points on us late in the game. That's not going to happen. I'm worried about going up six and then having, you know, some Bill Belichick black magic coming out of the woodwork, you know, and summoning one touchdown to kill us. 
exactly. Yeah, and 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 we'll definitely chat about kind of the adjustments that Bill made, adjustments that Andy made, uh, but a, a very strange game in that sense. But let's talk about the strangest thing in our advantage. So fourth quarter, just like Reese said, in the beginning of the fourth quarter, um, Bill Belichick subs Jared Stidham in for Brian Hoyer, who had been playing and had been kind of keeping them in the game, I guess. Um, and then Jared Stidham throws a four yard touchdown to Nikhil Harry, which kind of was an easy blooper in the, in the red zone. Then in, uh, then in the middle of the fourth, Patrick Mahomes starts to get his thing going. McCole Hardman does a jet sweep, uh, for a six yard touchdown. Then nine seconds later, Tyron Matthew picks sixes. Jared Stidham for a 25-yard uh, touchdown interception. So the weirdest, like, nine seconds. And and to also think, in the beginning of the game, if you thought we would have to win this game because of some nine-second magic against Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer, I mean, you would have been like, what the hell? Well, and, and that that was such a spirit killer, too, because, I mean, it was a... It, it, it should have been an easy catch, Actually, we should look up who that was off the hands of. Maybe you guys know. Oh, allow me to hop in and help you, Kyle. This is my favorite moment of the game because that was off the hands of none other than Julian Edelman. After the Patriots fans singing his praises, calling for him to be the Hall of Fame. Oh, he had almost 200 yards receiving the other week. The second that happened and Matthew returned it in, it was like that scene in Black Panther where he's like, Is this your king? (laughs) It wasn't even the, it, you know, it wasn't even the world's worst pass from Stidham. No, it was the world's yep. worst ham-fisted try and catch by Edelman. Anything that's not a five-yard slant, he completely forgets how to bring into his body. All I'm saying is, I was slanging the Nerf football in Northern Wisconsin this weekend, and I was throwing better passes than Stidham. <laughs> you know what? I actually thought Stidham played pretty well, like played better than Hoyer. It's just that Stidham had to throw; he had to make chances. Um, but that—that's just the majesty of the Chiefs' offense. In fact, when Kansas City Chiefs are are leading by ten points uh, after the third quarter, they are 155 and five. They are 23 and two under Andy Reid. So it's just uh it's just great to see like the the uh, Chiefs are such a established team, such a disciplined team that they can definitely come down the field in the fourth quarter playing whoever. Of course they should win against Stidham and Hoyer, but because Bill Belichick was kind of a monster and we can get right into that actually that made it very difficult for pat so in the first half patrick mahomes had zero touchdowns and like reese said it was kind of a stalemate there field goals after field goals after field goals what and uh kyle how about to you what was bill doing that made it so difficult for patrick to be successful in that first half well that's a really good question and i think we can we can Harken back to our last reaction cast uh, when we were discussing like the Reed B enemy throwing a lot of uh, creativity at the playbook for the Ravens game. I felt that this game was sort of the opposite of that. Like we saw the like we saw the stack one time that we'd seen in game three as well or week three as well. But like I'm not sure that this was so much about. Bill and the Patriots in their defensive prowess as much as we call the conservative game because I think at least from what we saw last season where we had some ups and downs defensively and 
Not, I, I wouldn't say we had ups and downs offensively so much as just dealing with some injuries here and there. And, and, and because, sorry to spin a little bit here, but because Andy had, you know, decades long career with it before finally winning a Super Bowl, I suspect that he's finally figured out that the key to a winning season is to kind of like almost spread, spread the cards out on, on the table and try lots of different ways of running the game. So, so you're trying to say that that Andy was more concerned about managing the clock, maybe, and getting getting that Patriots offense off the field, just doing checkdowns and and running as opposed. I to I think being so. Gutsy. I mean, I, I'm not going to say that he didn't respect the Patriots, but I am going to say that our game management didn't seem as concerned about them as the Ravens in terms of like having to just put up points left and right. Yeah, can I, if I can jump on what Kyle's saying, I agree. This was a very vanilla playbook from Andy by and large, and I was getting flashbacks to the Chargers game, not just because the offense was really struggling to gain any traction, but just the playbook. You know, there weren't many deep shots. Pat was reading a lot of, like, check down options really quick. A lot of terrible handoffs up the gut to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, which I don't even want to get into right now. But I got to give some credit to Bill Belichick and the defense, because I think one thing that was really stymieing Pat was he was playing a lot of zone coverage during the game. And if you'll notice, he kept not just one, but two linebackers spies on Pat a lot of the time. Because what really killed the Ravens, and especially the Chargers late in the game, was Pat you know, bailing on a play and deciding to roll out left for 7 to 10 yards. And the number of times I'm like, okay, go Pat. And he like takes a step forward like he's going to run. And all of a sudden, a Patriots guy pops into camera view. I'm like, yo, he's just being contained by these linebackers right now. Later on in the game, whether the linebackers got tired or Pat figured a way to like get them off of him, then we started seeing him have some success rolling out and getting picking up some yards on the ground, which helped keep drives going. Yeah, to, to kind of jump on that, but to get a little more hot takey, perhaps. Hello, America. This is Hot Take Mondo. My coffee has finally come in. It's super early for me because I'm an hour earlier than everybody else, and I normally don't wake up early, but now I'm now I'm awake, everybody. Bill Belichick had the greatest first half that he's ever had in his career against the Chiefs yesterday. Bill Belichick had the most amazing game script against Patrick Mahomes, and here is why. First, let's do a real quick stat. Stat Mondo. This is the third time that the Chiefs have been held without a touchdown in the first half since Patrick Mahomes became a starter in 2018 and the postseason. Each of the previous two instances also came against the Patriots in Week 6 of 2018 and the AFC Championship of 2018. So this is a clear indication that it, it wasn't necessarily um, Andy Reid. I think it's totally Bill Belichick. And exactly to what Reese was saying, from the beginning, the Patriots listed, I believe, six DBs. So they were going with a nickel, uh, uh, a nickel option um, in the defensive scheme so that Patrick had no one to pass it to, right? I remember texting you guys from the beginning. This game was going to be how Pat was able to decipher who was double teamed and who was not double teamed. Like in that very first drive, Pat had like an almost interception to uh, to Devin McCourty and it looked awful. Like I was like, oh my goodness, but it wasn't necessarily Pat. I think they were just like really good at scheming. If it was a double team, if it wasn't, it looked like it wasn't going to be a double team. So basically, they were just trying to bait Pat into making awful throws. Like, I don't think that was on Patrick for that first almost interception. It was really just the Patriots disguising what they were doing 
on defense. So then it became pretty clear that they weren't going to blitz Patrick. Like their defensive line was able to get through our offensive line, but there was no Ravens like all blitz. There was nothing like that. They were waiting in the backfield. So they had someone on Tyreek. They had someone on Kelsey. And then wherever they went, they essentially hovered against them. So the way that Patrick had to beat them was through these jet sweeps, right? Was through McCole Harmon, was through another jet pass to uh to Tyreek Hill. That's how we had to beat him because they were so they were doing so well in coverage that we had no one to to help with. And to Reese's point, CH wasn't doing anything as well because their defensive line was incredibly good. And and it shouldn't have been because they were missing a lot of people. So that was pretty disappointing, but it was a great game script. And that's why it felt weird to me because I didn't want to say we were in trouble. This is what Bill does. Bill, of course, has been spending weeks and weeks trying to prepare for Pat, if not years to try to prepare for Pat. And he did it very well. He did a good job. I mean, yeah, I guess. But also it's it's hard not to see this as from our perspective that we see a depleted New England team come in minus their quarterback uh, I mean, yes, that's that, that's a fair point that Belichick came in like ready to contain Mahomes. I, I somewhat disagree with the fact that we were like butting our heads up against the wall because we seemed generally pretty composed the whole time. Hence, like continuing to try to spam CEH and like run the ball, which even when it wasn't going well, but just hoping that that quickness and low center of gravity was going to eventually catch their D-line sleeping. Again, I'm not trying to negate what you're saying about Belichick's defensive prowess as a leader, but I hesitate to give them too much credit. I'm going to piggyback off what Kyle said earlier about a broken clock being right twice a day. And there are, you know, the, the broken clock is right, let's just say, uh, once a game against Patrick Mahomes. As you pointed out, Armando, like Bill Belichick seems to have a way of styming Patrick Mahomes in all of their meetings in the first half. However, the flip side of that coin is that Patrick Mahomes will always figure out Bill Belichick's scheme come second half, and that's exactly what happened this game. He did throw a lot of coverages in there that seemed to confuse Pat. That seems to be his M.O. in all these games he's played him. But again, Mahomes does Mahomes stuff. He's got like this crazy Borg adapting, assimilating mind of his, and he found a way to read that defense and really put a touchdown on the board when it mattered. Yeah, it's actually pretty crazy that Mahomes' stat line was 236 yards, two touchdowns, only one sack, but his 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 QBR rating was not good. It was fifty nine point four. But still, if you if you take out that that QBR rating, it looks like he had his way with 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 the defense, which is not true. But also shows Patrick Mahomes is able to kind of get out of situations and do pretty well and look like he did extremely well. All right. If we don't have anything else to say, I'm going to move on then to our next topic. Uh, referees, before we talk about the Patriots offense, Reese, there was some crazy ass plays in this game and there was some crazy calls that went our way and then didn't go our way. Um, why don't you take us through those and tell us uh, what the referees has to say? I think it's freaking hilarious that the Patriots fans are complaining about some calls that they're saying cost them the game like their entire dynasty isn't built on the backbone, blood, sweat, and tears of referees going out of their ways. 
paging the tuck rule, paging fluffing the quarterback in the 2018 AFC title game, yeah. paging Julian Edelman touching that punt in the 2018 AFC title game. I don't want to hear a word. Let's start with play number one, the Patrick Mahomes weird fumble interception sack thing that wound up getting called back. Okay. From a game speed perspective, it definitely seemed to me like Patrick lost the football and the Patriots recovered. But guess what? When I went back and watched it again, they did have Pat standing up dead to rights for about two, three seconds with more guys piling in. And when I heard the referees post game explaining it, I heard Pat explaining it post game. What it sounds like is it's been a thing in the NFL now for a few years where if a quarterback's forward progress is stopped the way it was, he wasn't going anywhere, he was getting sacked, they're trying to keep players from dogpiling on and causing injuries to quarterbacks, which is why they blew the whistle so early. Pat even said in his virtual press conference afterwards, he's like, yeah, I heard the whistle blow, I didn't know what was going on, next thing you know, I didn't have the ball. You know, so... I don't want to hear anything from Patriots saying, oh, that that cost it to us. Because they got to make up call late in the game off that Honey Badger interception that would have really iced it, you know? So as far as I'm concerned, we're one for one. Wait, wait, wait. So, Reese, you, you don't think that that was a strip sack interception? No. Uh, the way the referees explained it, and I'm reading it explained multiple ways, is that when Mahomes was not moving the way he was, he had two guys on him. He wasn't going anywhere. They blow that play dead saying it's forward progress. Need I go back and use as an example the 2017 wildcard game against the Titans where Derek Johnson blows up Mariota. Do you remember that yeah. play? Do I need to, to sketch this out yeah. for you? Uh, go ahead and sketch it out for our fans. Mariota takes a three-step drop, and no sooner does he pop off his three-step drop Johnson is right there and blows him up to the point that he, I mean, he hits him and the ball goes flying. The referees in that game called that dead by forward progress, but there was no forward progress. He got hit off his three-step drop. That is more egregious of a fumble than what happened to Patrick Mahomes last night. So, you know, it's, it's kind of nice being on the, you know, the other side of that coin for once. Now, Reese, I'm going to ask you a question as well, because that was an issue, but also, what was an issue is that the refs did not explain why they had blown the whistle to Bill Belichick. They originally, or Bill originally thought they had blown the whistle because that play was dead. He had no indication that that was not a strip sack interception. So then Bill didn't throw a flag because he was like, okay, they just said he was down. That's fine. Immediately afterward, Andy Reid and the great uh, Townsend, our new punter, go in and and do like a five-second punt to then negate Bill Belichick trying to throw a flag. Bill Belichick, the guy who's been in the league for 20 years, Bill Belichick, the guy who has combed through and bent every rule in the rule book, didn't have the space of mind to throw the red flag the second something looked fishy to him so he could at least get a challenge in, that is a mistake by a veteran coach and not my problem. Wow. I'm, I'm actually going to disagree with you because if I'm, if I'm Bill Belichick, I'm like, all right, I know for a fact that we have the ball, right? There was no indication that, that it, it was just, he was down and not an interception. So I'm like, okay, we can, we can take the, the, uh, the L on it not being a touchdown, but we're going to have the ball back. So that's why I think he didn't throw the flag. Um, 
Yeah, that was nuts. That that was probably one of the craziest plays that I've ever seen, honestly. Like, I've never seen, like, even Tony Romo, the great prophes- uh, prophesier, the great oracle, Tony Romo was like, what the heck just happened? Well, I mean, the last thing I'll say on that one is, you know, at first I'm like, well, we got a freebie. I'll take it. But the more I've seen it explained multiple times by multiple different people that Pat's forward moment or Pat's forward progress was stopped. He was going nowhere, and it's been in the referee's rules for a few years now that in plays like that, you call it dead for quarterback safety. Because Pat didn't throw that or fumble it right away. It, it happened after two, three guys had gotten to him, you know, and he's just trying to get the ball out somehow. So, you know, I'm sorry. That's that's to the letter of the law. I don't feel bad about it. Wow. Well, that's the first time I heard it. Shout out to referees for having a detailed explanation and a pretty valid explanation as to what happened. I didn't even hear that on like the press conference or like news conferences. So you're hearing exclusive content here at Fountain City Sports Media. By the way, this is actually a funny segue. Uh, do you remember in the game, it was like the second quarter, they had shown a a big picture of Kansas City, and uh, they were like, oh, Kansas City, the the uh, the uh, city of fountains. And then Tony Romo goes, city of fountains? What? And then I'm like, yeah, dude, Fountain City Sports Media, baby. So Tony Romo, if you're out there, not only is Kansas City the city of fountains, but there is a podcast, one of the best podcasts in Kansas City called Fountain City Sports Media. I just thought that was funny. I knew I had to bring it up on the podcast. Silly Tony Romo. Okay, so my second final referee's point is uh, it seems that everyone has turned on Patrick Mahomes saying that he flopped going out of bounds late in that game on the roughing the quarterback. But I'm here to dispel more rumors on this one. Okay, so first off, first off, earlier in the first quarter, when Patrick was running for the sideline, gave himself up, and all of a sudden, Devin McCourty comes in like a freaking Patriot missile, and he should have been called for a late hit roughing the passer then when he knocked him over. You know, because, again, Pat was giving himself up, and McCourty was just trying to give him a little bit of a parting shot. Now, need I go back and remind you that a few years ago, Anthony Barr of the Vikings gave Rodgers just a little parting shot, you know, just to, just to feel it, knocked him over after Rodgers had thrown, and he broke his collarbone and was out for the season. You know, I, I was mad at first they didn't call that because those just-to-feel-it hits result in things like that happening. So later on in the game, when Wise is chasing Mahomes out of bounds, he's got his hand right around his like uh, collar area, kind of pulls him down horse collar-wise, and Mahomes falls down out of bounds. It's about time they call those because, I mean, dude, what would have happened if Mahomes twisted his knee and tore his ACL going out of bounds? Uh, don't even, don't even bring that that black magic in here. And you know, people are complaining right now, saying, "Oh, he flopped to sell it." Uh, no, no. Come on, guys, use your like visual comprehensive skills. One of two things happened: either number one, he tripped over the first down marker that was lying on the ground right by his feet, or number two. He tripped over number 51, Bentley's feet, who was right in his way. So he's getting horse collared from behind. He has something to take out his feet. Of course he's going to go down. You can make the point, how does Matt Moore become Tom Brady if Patrick Mahomes doesn't get injured? Just kidding. All right. Okay, that wraps up uh, referee section. Excellent segment, Reese. As always, I look forward to it every single week. Something I'm not looking forward to now is talking about the Patriots offense. And I'm going to preface it, Kyle, this one's going to be for you. 
Saturday, we find out Cam Newton's not going to play because of COVID. We don't know whether Hoy or Stidham's playing. We don't know until basically like a couple minutes before the game, honestly. We didn't know who was going to get that start. Not only that, Sony Michelle has the game of his life last week, just like Kyle alluded to in the in the previous podcast. Sony Michelle's out. Two of their offensive linemen, David Andrews and Shaq Mason, who are vo- both formidable offensive linemen, are out. They start two rookies, and then they start the backup quarterback against a Frank Clark defense. Of course, Chris Jones is out for this game, but still, Frank Clark defense. Knowing all that going into the game, what were your previous reactions kyle did you think this was going to be a blowout then first of all i was on a camping trip uh when cam newton got covid so i didn't know that until i got off the camping trip and realized oh i didn't miss the game it's monday why is that so that all happened uh but it's worth mentioning to our dear uh listeners that uh i've got quite a bit of history with houston which was uh Brian Hoyer's, I don't know, third or fourth stop after he left the Patriots for the second time. I've lost track where that guy's wound up through the years, but I forget if this is on your stat sheet or not, Armando, but Brian Hoyer has lost his last 11 starts. Whoa. Is that is that on your sheet? Yep, correct. That sort of raises the question, has Brian Hoyer ever won a game? I think he might be 0-11. <laughs> <laughs> because he was a backup for so long. Actually, that that's a question we should find out. Has he ever won a game? Dude, I, I have no idea. All I know is that uh, Brian Hoyer had never made a start for the New England Patriots as well. Despite him, this is his third time on the team. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we actually know Brian Hoyer as being Tom, ba- Tom Brady's backup, which is also a testament to Tom Brady just never really getting injured and always starting. Um, but this is the first time he's ever started for the Patriots. That was amazing. And to your point, yes, he has lost 11 straight games. That's the longest active streak in the NFL. Well, and, and it, it's, I, I bring that up because, uh, you know, going into last night's game when we saw that it would be Hoyer or Stidham, the first thing I think of with Brian Hoyer is that 30 to nothing blowout in 2015, or I guess the 2016 AFC wildcard game, uh, where, I mean, you know, if you guys remember the sort of the media going into that game was all about how like, you know, JJ Watt and the defense were going to totally shut us down. And, you know, Hoyer and the Texans offense were going to be able to like hold their own with us and whatever. And, you know, it was just a total meltdown. And that ended his career with the Texans, basically. The fact that that's what I thought of when hearing Brian Hoyer made me think, I hope they start him instead of Stidham because we we, we know less about Stidham. So, so then, Reese, how did an 0-11 Brian Hoyer hold his own for three quarters against the against the Chiefs. Well, he didn't really, is the thing. I actually take issue with the fact that you were kind of impressed by him because I thought Stidham was actually way better. My cheap joke about him earlier in the podcast aside. Sorry, Jarrett. Stidham seems like he's a better athlete. He seems calmer in the pocket. And even the two, you know, the two picks is rough. But like... Early on, I think you guys agree, right when they put him in and they and they scored a touchdown within like three plays, I started to think that we might be in trouble. I, I think Bill Belichick made the right call putting Sidham in uh, when he did. And if anything, I think he should have done it to start the second half after that boneheaded end to the first half where Fab Five Brian Hoyer is trying to call a timeout with none left in his back pocket. <laughs> 
I mean, so here's the thing. I I don't think Stidham is noticeably better than Brian Hoyer, all things considered. I think he probably gives you a better chance just because we don't have like any game film on him, and it's just kind of like throw him out there and see what happens. The reason being, we, we saw in the first half where you're going to get out of Brian Hoyer. You're going to get bad decision-making. You're going to get a bunch of running the football to control clock to try and keep us off the field, which was kind of working. But like I said, after that first half ended... Had we gone up 13-3 to on Brian Hoyer, that game would have been over. I mean, there, there was no way after all that, after all those red zone trips and opportunities, that Brian Hoyer was suddenly going to get you 10 points. And also, sorry to jump in, but also that, that was like the second drive of the third quarter when we had the strip sack on Hoyer. So not only did the first half end horribly, you know, with without a field goal, which is inexcusable, honestly, like you have to manage the clock better, understand you have no timeouts and not leave that situation without scoring. Well, and the thing with Stidham then is Stidham at least gives you like a puncher's chance because you don't know what you're going to get with him. If he goes out and throws four interceptions like he basically did, then you still lose. If he goes out, slings it and throws a couple touchdown passes, he wouldn't have gotten with Brian Hoyer. Eh, you know, it's kind of like, what are you going to do? So... I mean, it's it's just kind of choose your poison if you're the Pats. I think if they would have started Stidham earlier in the game, I think there's a good chance he gets benched and Brian Hoyer comes in. The Patriots were dead from the first whistle. Hey everyone, this is this is Hot Take Mondo. I hope you're having a good day. Armando has a hot take for you. Here we go. Let me let me uh, take a good breath in. He's got the <laughs> NPR glasses on, guys. He's super calm, but he's about to give you a blazing take. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to. I, I'm actually going to take him off for this take. This one's hot. Uh oh. If Cam Newton was playing the game, we would have lost that game. Boo. We would have lost if Cam Newton was playing. Boo. I mean, Dude, if, because Bill Belichick's defense was amazing. A Ravens hangover. All right, let me let me let me defend myself. No, the way that they were playing, we would have lost that game. They owned us in the rushing game. They had 185 yards rushing. Damian Harris had 100 yards. Rex Burhead only 11 carries for 45 yards and then James Harris kind of receiving and running 38 yards receiving uh 21 yards rushing you put cam newton in there you put cam newton in the red zone where they had to kick all the time cam newton would have scored on us and bill belichick still would have had our number in the first half they would have been up in the first half we would have lost that game hey amando what what are you having for dinner tonight because if I come to your house and find a giant pot full of clam chowder on your freaking oven top, I will not be surprised <laughs> one bit. Are you kidding me that you think that that game would have gone the exact same way if Cam Newton would have been playing? Thank you. Dude, Cam Newton, I mean, Brian Horry made some boneheaded mistakes, but Cam Newton is not safer with the ball. The play calling would not have been as safe with Cam Newton as quarterback. I think we would have gotten Cam to throw a few picks. The defense for us wouldn't have been on the field as much because they wouldn't have been calling such like a run-heavy offense, you know, keeping them on the field. And Burkhead was pounding for like five, six yards per carry, it felt like. That game would have been completely different. It would have gone into a shootout. We would have dropped a big old 30-plus bomb on him. And the Pats maybe get, okay, let's say they get 21 to 24 points with Cam. Still not enough to beat our 26. All right, all right. Going going back to my point to, to defend myself, Reese, I'm just saying that our weakness is rushing, right? And this is what I talked about in the in the previous podcast that 
they would expose us and have this four-headed monster with Cam Newton, Sony Michelle, uh, Damian Harris, and James White. While Michelle's out, Cam Newton's out. They still find a way with Rex Burkhead, with James White, with Damian Harris. This is Damian Harris's first start ever, and he had a hundred yards against us. You have that going, and you have Cam Newton on the red zone. Cam Newton has the most rushing touchdowns in the red zone currently in the in the NFL. So I think he definitely would have done well. Maybe they would have been in a shootout. Maybe he would have had an interception or two. But because of his legs, there's probably some schemes we didn't even see in there to Bill Belichick's point or to to my point, sorry, that we probably didn't see plays that he had scripted for weeks for this game. Okay, well, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, shocker, and say that if Cam comes out, and they're putting up points with Cam, then I think Andy's much quicker to throw this safe playbook out the window when he starts opening up his own like bag of tricks playbook. You know, we start seeing more improvised plays by Pat, and we start seeing far less conservative checkdowns and hand up the middles or handoff up the middles on second and nine to Clyde Edwards Alaire. You know, so I think again, it, it's it's a completely different game. And I I would would they have had a better chance from starting whistle to like pull an upset with Cam Newton versus Brian Hoyer? Or Jason Stidham, I'm not going to argue that. Of course, would they have beaten us with Cam Newton playing like they were last night? Absolutely not. All right, I mean that's fair. I think I think we both had good arguments. To to your point, actually, about the about the jet sweeps and like the motions and throwing the playbook. The Chiefs have thrown 29 touchdowns using a shifter motion since 2019, which is the most in the NFL. So Andy. And he did use the playbook a little bit at the end, obviously, to get the thing going. But yeah, it would have been a more interesting game. I think we both can agree on that. It would have been really, really good. Okay, anybody else have any uh, thoughts about that before we go into the preview? Let's go to the preview. All right, let's wrap it up. Here is our last segment. We are going to preview next week's game, Kansas City versus the Las Vegas Raiders. So what do you guys got, Kyle? Here's my hot take that I'll one-up you. We are way more likely to lose this Raiders game than we ever were to lose this Patriots game. Way more likely. Uh, Why is that? Why? Always, it's because of Reese's point about the intra-division rivals. When the Raiders oh, are when the me. Raiders are terrible, we'll put up a bummer of a game against them. When the Raiders are pretty good, we'll beat them by thirty. You know what I mean? It's just it's really unpredictable, and especially given the the way that Derek Carr publicly stirred the pot about his frustrations with the team, which is terrible. I mean, that's that kind of team culture is kind of unacceptable. That's really bad. But the way that he publicly went on and said that he's sick of losing means that come hell or high water, that entire team is going to be fired up and ready to beat us. And so I'm not saying that we're going to lose the game. I don't think we'll lose the game. The fact that the Raiders have been so up and down means that I'm a little scared of the Raiders that beat the Saints, but I'm not particularly scared of the Raiders that just lost to the Bills. Although Saints don't look great this year. Fine, but still, they played well in that game, you know? Well, okay, so I get what you're saying but didn't we say the same thing last year when the three of us were sitting up in the 300 section saying, I wonder if this could be a close game, and we wound up dropping Derek a big Carr old 40 sucks. bomb on the Raiders in front Derek of our own eyes? Carr sucks. Yeah. Well, okay, so to Armando's point then, I am more afraid if at this point, after hearing all that I'm sick of losing talk, Gruden benches him and puts in Marcus Mariota. <laughs> you know, because no. that would throw no. up our game plan. 
And, and you know, look, teams have done that to us twice now this year. You know, we were game plan for Tyrod Taylor. They put in Justin Herbert, and suddenly we're like, oh my gosh, what do we do with our hands? I mean, after Tyrod Taylor got Dracula. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Well, I mean, we saw it last night with the Patriots, too. We prep for Cam Newton. They throw in uh, Brian Hoyer and Jason Sidham, and suddenly we're like, what do we do with our hands? The last thing I want is for us to be looking ahead to this short rest Buffalo game coming off of this rivalry Patriots game, and suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, Marks Mariota starting. What do we do with our hands? Yeah, I'm actually um, going to be crying during this game. You know why, guys? Why is that? Because the last time that we played the Raiders was the inception of this podcast. Oh. This is our anniversary podcast. Oh, my God. So, Happy so anniversary, for, guys. So so for our viewers out there, we started this podcast in Reese's car after the Raiders game last year. We were like, hey, why don't, why don't we just do, like, a fun reaction to it? So we put on my, like, iPhone audio recording and just pressed play in the car, and we had the, like the grossest conversation about the Raiders and Chiefs, but also just like stupid stuff. It was, it was hilarious, but that was the inception. And then we all went out. I think we had ramen or something. Yeah. And then we all were like, Hey, we can actually be good at this. I think this can actually work. So, uh, not about the Chiefs and Raiders, but it'll be a sentimental game for me because this was the last time we were all together. And then we decided we we're going to do this podcast. Now, does audio of that still exist on one of you guys' phones? I hope not. I definitely have it on my phone, and then we can also find it in the text chain. Okay, that is one. That is one hundred dollar a month Patreon subscription content right there. No, nobody's hearing that unless they unless they fund this podcast through the end of the year. Not only that, if if you donate, you will hear Kyle say some some things that can put people in prison. That's how crazy it was. That's not true. <laughs> Oh. But but I I will digress and I'll talk about the game, but just wanted to tell the fans that because I think that's a fun story. Um, I'm going to kind of take the, the middle of the road here. I think the Raiders have been playing better than we thought they were going to play this year. I think their running game is formidable, obviously, with Josh Jacobs. Darren Waller's playing really well. Um, Henry Ruggs, I don't know is going to play or not, but if Henry Ruggs plays, he's he played pretty great in those first couple of weeks, so I would be interested to see a Henry Ruggs versus Rashad Fenton or anything like that. Raiders defense has been very good with um, Joshua Abrams, I think is his name, because Josh was out last year um, the entire season, but he's been playing incredibly well at the safety position. So this is a Raiders defense that we haven't seen before so not that they're going to win I still think it's going to be a Chiefs blowout because the Raiders as of late have not been playing well but this is a better Raiders team that we haven't seen before um, so I'm actually looking forward to the game I think it's going to be good I mean, this is a this is a Raiders team that does have a lot of talent John Gruden is I would say an above average head coach at the very least but I mean the, the way this team is constructed is still with a bunch of bubblegum popsicle sticks and band-aids, man. It's like if you take one right shot at the foundation or approach this the right way, the whole tower comes tumbling down. I think big things to watch will be how our front seven does getting to Derek Carr, because we know that, you know, he doesn't react well under pressure. He's a big check down guy. I think another matchup to keep an eye on is gonna be who matches up against Waller. Are we gonna put Honey Badger on him a lot, you know, a la Eric Berry guarding tight ends like Gronkowski back in the day? I think containing Waller, containing Carr, and not letting a lot of 
stupid running plays just kill us death by a thousand cuts is going to be the key to beating the Raiders this go around. Yep. If you play daily fantasy, I just want to do a quick uh, fountain fantasy. Start Josh Jacobs because Josh Jacobs is going to go off against our Chiefs D. Start him in any daily fantasy roster. Okay, then quick score predictions for this week's Raiders game at the Roomba of Death in Las Vegas. Kyle, go. (laughs) I'll go 28-17 Chiefs. 35-14 Chiefs. I like 30-19 Chiefs. Derek Carr, more like lose from afar. No, it's bad. Yes! It's like a a Christmas song. Marcus Mariota, more like Marcus not one iota of victory. Hey! Crossword Kyle coming out of the That's also bad. Don't encourage me. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM. Find us on Instagram at FountainCitySM to get updates on the podcast, sports, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friends Kyle and Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. Thank you.